Welcome to First Time Lord. I'm Daniel Levain, and as the title of the podcast implies, I am a first-timer in that I had never seen Doctor Who until I sat down to do the podcast, and of course, <laughs> I can't stop. I'm never going to stop because, oh my gosh, this show is so good, and today I'm talking about, oh, such an amazing episode. It is Forest of the Dead, which is part of series four, episode nine. So you know who I'm bringing on. We had her last week. It's a two-parter. She had to join me for this. The queen of spoilers, Jenny Fayberry. How are you doing? I am in need of a conversation. Yeah, a a conversation, a drink. Like Uh, this was a rough episode. The, this was uh, this was an unexpected one. So yep. <laughs> before we jump into it, dear listener, if you have not already, now would be a perfect time to watch Forest of the Dead, which, like I said, it's part of Series 4, Episode 9. We will spoil you, and I don't want to rob you of the experience that I had twice today because I couldn't just watch it once. I needed, <laughs> I needed to go back and process what I had seen by watching it again. So do yourself that favor. And uh, once you're done, come back and join us for this uh, post-episode therapy session. (laughs) (laughs) Because holy moly. So starting it off, uh, holy crap. Like Mm -hmm. just when you think you kind of have an idea of what's happening this show just turned me inside out. Just throws you for another loop and you need an entire box of Kleenex and therapy. And yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, I, I, I say it a lot in the podcast. I think I know where the show is going. I think I have an idea of where the storyline is going to take me and what to expect. And, these last two episodes, particularly this one, The Forest of the Dead, I, wow, like where, who comes up with this stuff? Stephen Moffat. <laughs> I mean, yes, I knew that because I saw we his, love uh, and hate him his for name this. on the title, but it, it was just, so recapping a little bit, last week, I had a lot of questions because it seemed like we were inside the mind of a little girl who was talking to her doctor and yet saw the doctor, but she wasn't really there. She was a little ball that could see them because she could fly through this planet-sized library and then, of course, in true Doctor Who fashion, there are bad guys. Uh, the you'll have to help me with the pronunciation. The Lasha Nevada. Lasha Nevada, which mm-hmm. uh, what a cool name for creatures that live in the dark and feast on seemingly human flesh. But that we've been hiding from our entire lives because right. we're scared of everything in the shadows. That irrational fear that is not so irrational. Mm -hmm. And we we are left off in the episode where the doctor trying to do his, I'm going to save you, I'm going to keep you out of harm's way, tries to teleport Donna into the TARDIS and somehow she ends up banishing instead. 
and the last thing we see is her face on one of those uh, nodes, I believe mm-hmm. you called them last week, uh, telling them that Donna has been saved and they run away. And so let's let's go through because there's there's a couple of things here. So let's go through the easy one first, quote unquote. Okay. Donna. Donna, yeah. of course, not dead. Donna gets no. put inside this place, which again, spoilers, turns out to be this like matrix like cyber you know universe of sorts. Yeah, it's like a big data core. Right, where mm-hmm. she is basically leading a life uh, where Dr. Moon, which as we find out is the computer program uh, mm-hmm. that was meant to sort of assist the 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 child planet core. He's artificial intelligent, basically. Mm-hmm. And so he's basically like helping her. Uh, and we see that her life is literally happening at a blink as she thinks of things mm-hmm. they're happening and dr moon is seemingly uh, making her forget of everything else yeah um his the whole part of his ai programming is to um kind of he, he was developed to make the young girl not stress about what was going on and just to kind of um, help her deal with her day-to-day situations. So when somebody new is introduced, my theory is that that just kind of rolls over and he does that for anybody else who comes into that mainframe. So his idea is just to make that a pleasant experience for anybody who comes in there and de-stress any situation um, so that that person uh, doesn't get triggered by anything um, that can make it a negative impact. Right. So he's like, in essence... Like a giant Xanax pill. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> he takes away your anxiety and yeah. just lets you be. And Donna meets this man who is seemingly the perfect man for Donna because he can't talk. Yeah, he has he a speech impediment, <laughs> impediment, which she Poor is so Donna. sweet to him. <laughs> like she's like, oh, try a vowel. Those are easier. <laughs> When he stammers, uh, like just a perfect person. And she seemingly has this wonderful life. Mm-hmm. She gets two married, kids. two yeah. kids. She's she's just having this wonderful life. And I couldn't help but to remember that the doctor had a similar occurrence where through you know through the magic of being a time lord uh he had that experience with the the woman in the past that was in love with john smith mm-hmm. and he lived an entire lifetime as john smith with her as he transformed back into the doctor and and you know in essence killed john smith or murdered mm-hmm. john smith and so while I while I was happy for Donna, I was immediately melancholy and sad because I knew that this was only momentary. And it's it's not her real life. Like as this is going on, it's mere moments because we know that there's really other stuff going on back at the library. Mm-hmm. Um, and that this is just this 
memory, if you will, that's going to be saved of hers, but it's not real, even though at this moment it feels very real. Right. And there is that moment, uh, which is so brilliant in that we see it very early on in the episode, uh, as it intrudes on Donna's current existence, where the doctor kind of briefly appears in front of her. And then we see it from the other side where the doctor is doing his thing, uh, and it's such an it's such a contrast because uh, this whole episode is this contrast between those two things the 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 existence that Donna seems to be having and the mystery that the doctor is in the middle of trying to solve and you know there's a third mystery on top of that um, but it was just such a gut-wrenching situation because you see her having this amazing life and you see her happy, happy in a way that we've really only seen her momentarily throughout the series. And you're like, wow, she deserves that. But we, of course, we knew that it was it was momentary, that it was not real and they would all come collapsing around her. And when it does, when those kids mm. disappear in the bed... Oh my gosh, like uh, Catherine Tate, well done, well done. I mean, she's known for her comedic chops, but in that moment, that was harsh. (laughs) Oh, heartbreaking, just heartbreaking for her to to see her realize that. And she didn't even have to say anything. Like you could just watch it and understand what she was thinking. And she was trying to ignore it and not, realize it but she knew mm-hmm. mm. and it, it yeah. and it still it hurt her it you know she it, it was only moments i mean the 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 lady in black uh as i called her in my head but you know she she basically told her you know this it has it wasn't last night it was just seconds ago nothing that is happening is happening in real time which means in just mere minutes, she had formed a bond and a connection that was, you know, heartbreaking when it all disappeared. Yeah. And how cool was Miss Evangeline in this other world? Right. I love the idea that she could, you know, suddenly gain intelligence because, Mm -hmm. hey, it's a computer. Maybe... She, you know, maybe my IQ had a slight different decimal They moved to decimal. <laughs> right? So all of a sudden she's this genius, this Picasso-looking genius. Um, but, you know, she she's like both trying to help. And at the same time, we're watching, I guess, like the story within the story within the story is this little girl is watching all of this transpire through a television set and everything that Miss Evangeline was saying was destroying this little girl's reality, uh, which was also hard. You know, you don't like to see children in peril. I certainly don't like to see children in peril. And while I don't have a daughter, I, I immediately, you know, I felt bad for that little girl, uh, especially when her dad disappeared. Yeah. 
You know, it, it was like a Disney episode where it's like, oh, there's the child and there goes their parents. <laughs> well, and like to use the remote control for turning different things on and off right. and switching things and um, hitting self-destruct and like just you don't think about what that impact is, but that was her relating to the stressors that were going on in her life. Her artificial intelligence, um, Dr. Moon was no longer in control and she was just stressing out so much. She was in so much agony and so much pain that she, she basically triggered the Mm self-destruct, um, because she had just, there was no more control in, uh, in basically that, um, that intelligence core. And so because she was no longer in control, um, the best thing to do at that point was to self-destruct. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, a very human emotion. You know, she felt like everything was out of control. Everything that she had been accustomed to was now sort of, you know, her library, her home, everything was falling apart because of the introduction of all these other people. Uh, and, you know, as the doctor talked about it, you know, it, how difficult would it have been for her having 400,000 people in her head? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not he, what she was designed to do. Right. And he kind of equates it to, well, it's like being me. Mm-hmm. Which, wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's the first time that he's compared somebody else to himself. Usually he is above everybody else uh, or he is more troubled than everybody else because the way he sees time and space and people. So for him to say that about this little girl, wow. (laughs) And, And just imagine you're talking about the consciousness of a little girl. I mean, an adult couldn't handle that. And you're asking the consciousness of this little girl to handle like it's I mean, who, it's just heartbreaking. The, the, the little girl had been a little girl for many years. The implication yes. is that, you know, she's been sort of in stasis, kept as a little girl. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that, you know, her her being had been hundreds of years or at correct least several generations. Uh, you know. But how much did she actually mature in that time frame? Right. Who knows? She wasn't allowed you know? to. Clearly, she wasn't yeah. allowed to because she was being kept innocent and childlike by Dr. Mm-hmm. Moon. Uh, but because she was the grand, great grand. Great granddaughter. Great well, granddaughter? Well, the great grandfather's sister of Lux who was there. So great grandmother of the, the gentleman that was there. So <laughs> at least two, three generations Mm -hmm. worth of human life uh, spent in in that stasis. Um, But still, you know, to compare that to the doctor, it's pretty intense. Yeah. Um, But the the last thing that I, you know, to wrap up Donna's side of the story here is as everything is happening and uh, she's getting sucked out of the matrix, (laughs) as it were, she makes that connection with her husband and he's like, am I real? And she's like, of course you are. And then she has that moment. It's like, whatever it takes, I will find you. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we've seen that in a lot of uh, sci-fi, you know, I will find you across time and space. Love will endure. 
it just I I don't know. It broke my heart because I I I just have a feeling that it's not going to be as easy as all that for her. <laughs> and uh, we have quiet, so mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess we have uh, our first. Yeah, that's a spoilers. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, let's let's. Let's flip it and let's talk about, you know, the the spoilers of the spoilers. Well, this, you did see him briefly, though. You remember seeing him briefly at the end, right? Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. I was going to bring that up, you know, kind okay. of tie it up at the end of the episode. But, okay. um So we have the doctor and we have uh, Professor Riversong. Mm. Did I get that right? Yeah. I kept calling her River Phoenix in my head last episode. <laughs> so Riversong. And we, at this point, we've established that they have some sort of relationship going. Um, but one of, uh, I, and we mentioned this briefly uh, in the podcast already, they, they're talking about sonic screwdrivers. And I love her little, you know, the, the way she speaks to the doctor is unlike anybody else that's spoken to the doctor. And, well, let, let's listen to what she says about his screwdriver. What's wrong with it? Signal comes somewhere interfering with it. And we'll use the red settings. It doesn't have a red setting. We'll use the dampers. It doesn't have dampers. It will do one day. So sometime in the future, I just give you my screwdriver. Yeah. And why would I do that? I didn't pluck it from your cold, dead hands, if that's what you're worried about. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I didn't pluck it from your cold, dead hands. Uh, but she, she's she got this almost identical screwdriver that, to his, uh, only it does have the, the red light, uh, and it's got like a little pinky holder, and mm-hmm. it, it's got some additions to it. It's, it's definitely... It's modified. It's, it's been modified, so it can't just be like in the recent future for the doctor no okay like across multiple regenerations of the doctor spoilers (laughs) i figured i'm gonna be running into those all episode long everybody which is why i kept that this part of the conversation for for the second half (laughs) okay so there is that um the the, the, there is a moment which I loved where uh, they're like, hey, we're trying to, you know, stay alive over here. And you two are bickering like an old married couple. And they look at each other. And, you know, she's she's trying to convince him. It's OK. You can trust me. And, well, here's the conversation. Doctor, one day I'm going to be someone that you trust completely. But I can't wait for you to find that out. So I'm going to prove it to you. And I'm sorry. I'm really very sorry. Why is she so sorry? She whispers something in his ear, which later in the episode we find out that she whispered his name. And we know because of the way he talks about it 
that this is a very special thing, that it, it wouldn't have happened uh, unless there were some very special conditions. So why is she so sorry? If you recall the look on his face after she did that. Right. It startled the heck out of him. He did not expect anyone that he encountered to know that information. So she knew by throwing that information to him, it was going to be such a surprise to him. He immediately trusted her afterwards. No questions asked. Yes, absolutely. He trusts her. But it was going to be an amazing triggering surprise to him. It would be like if somebody walked up to you on the street and told you something from your childhood that you had never told somebody ever in your life. But yet they knew it in detail. So it was such a surprise to him that that's why she was apologizing because nobody's supposed to know it. Nobody's supposed to be aware of it. And that was the only thing that she knew that she could get through to him so that he would ultimately trust her. Yeah, because there, there's a moment where she looks back and she goes, are we good? And he res- his reply is super faint. Yeah takes a moment, collects himself, and then he like he's able to actually get his voice back and say, yes, mm-hmm. we, we are good. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it definitely had some, some heft uh, mm-hmm. to that request. Um, then fortunately, the episode gets a little lighter for a few minutes, and we get back to like classic who, he's running around, He's trying to save people, but he's still trying to solve the mystery. He decides to try to have a conversation with the Nasha Devara. Vasha Nevada. Vasha Nevada. Sure. <laughs> I, you know. Me it's okay. I have a hard time we, enough with names in the real like world. We just like to call him like Proper Dave. <laughs> Proper Dave, yeah. <laughs> the, the shadow uh, creatures. Uh, he, he tries to have a whole conversation with them. Um, but things are getting increasingly, you know, more hairy The you know, the, each one of these crew members gets, you know, picked off Mm -hmm. one by one. We're getting, you know, closer and closer to the end. Uh, and they're having this conversation, uh, or he's having a conversation again with the, the shadow creatures, because uh, all of a sudden they're threatening him, mm-hmm. and he's like, uh, well, "Here, I'll I'll let him say it." Don't play games with me. You just killed someone I like. That is not a safe place to stand. I'm the Doctor, and you're in the biggest library in the universe. Look me up. Look me up. Mm-hmm. And there's that moment. And the creatures shrink. The like the shadows yes. were getting closer and closer to him, and the cre- like the shadows shrink. They pull back away from him. They're like, oh, right, which implies somewhere in this planet-sized library, there's some information about him. Oh, there's, absolutely. There's some. I mean, this is all the knowledge of the world, right? Somebody, so, somebody knows about the Doctor. So now, just. So that I have an idea, 
this we I don't know that we ever establish what year or where we are in a linear uh, time. Do we know that? Fifty first century. The fifty first century. So it's mm-hmm. far enough in the future mm-hmm. um, that. Uh, presumably, you know, enough knowledge has been amassed about him. What would be so scary about the knowledge that is amassed uh, that that these creatures would shrink back? So if this is the 51st century and there is all the knowledge of the world in this library, think about um, any information about the doctor that's been gathered. So think about the very first episode and Rose and the gentleman who's doing research on the doctor, Mm -hmm. all of his stuff would be there. Think about any information that maybe UNIT has about the doctor saving the UK, anything like that. If any of that information escaped, or there's eyewitnesses that talked about meeting somebody named the doctor and saving, of course, it's always England from, you know, the Daleks (laughs) or uh, the universe or the world. Yeah, basically. Um, any of that information that has escaped about the doctor saving them, but also any other planets, any other creatures, any other civilizations, not just Earth, um, that have reported the doctor, that have reported the Time Lords, the great um, time war information about that is going to be there. Um, we already know that a little bit of information about the doctor and the time war and all the destruction that was caused. So that information, in theory, would be at this library. Would be somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And these these creatures could go and look in that library very quickly and go, ooh, this guy's caused some damage, and he's not afraid to kill. Even though the doctor we know isn't that big of a killer, we know in his past there's definitely been death and destruction. Mm-hmm. Um, that would give them enough fear to definitely not harm people he cares about because that's who he protects the most um, out of anybody is those whom he cares about. Mm. I just, I love the idea that these, uh, these piranha-like creatures that live in shadows would be afraid of the doctor based off of things that are contained in these books that are the reason they're there. Yeah. Cause I love that again, like the resolution of this episode is like a, like a labyrinth that ultimately when you get to the end, you're like, how did I get here? <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is why I had to watch the episode again. Because it's this labyrinthian uh, Doctor Who story, very sci-fi in that they are in a physical library. The, the reason the girl is there and they seem like they're in her mind is because the girl is actually the center of the library, the computer that's driving the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And why are these creatures that are normally found in forests across the universe, why are they there? Oh, well, they're born out of spores and things that are in trees, but there are no trees here because this is an entire city planet based on books. Oh, wait a minute. Books are made of trees. Yep. Which, holy crap. I mean, that logic, I got mm-hmm. it at the end of the episode. 
but it was almost like I needed to rewatch it again just to mm-hmm. be like, how they they tied all that together. They yeah. I I don't understand how you tie all that together because that's a, a normally the end of a Doctor Who episode is like a Columbo episode where Columbo comes up at the end and uh, I'm sorry uh, this is a super old reference but Columbo you know always had this like well uh, there's just one more question and that's where he unravels everything and you know the 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 mystery the murder the whatever crime is solved here's what we saw in the beginning and here's why it's this right and this you know two episode arc had that moment in this very quickly developing scene where it's like, this is what's happening. This is what I figured out. And now I have to run to the core of the planet and plug in because all these people, uh, they were saved, not safe, but they were saved. saved. They were you saved like safe. a computer. You say saved. Oh, right. yes. Like that whole <laughs> That whole walkthrough was like, oh my gosh, it was, I followed it and it was amazing. But again, it was one of those things where it was like my jaw hit the ground going, no, they did not. And no, I think if didn't. it was anybody but David Tennant explaining it, you'd be like, wait, what, what, her? But David Tennant does it in such a way that you're like, oh yeah, okay, 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 okay I follow, okay, all right, got it, okay, yeah, let's like, go. I mean, I would have hated, uh, and this is the possibly the first time I've said this, I would have hated to have seen this episode when it first aired because I absolutely benefited from going back and watching it again, (laughs) immediately being able to rewind and watch it again. And, you know, 2008, 2009, like TiVo was around, but it was really expensive. So I don't know that I would have had that. So this episode would have been like one of those episodes that is like, I need to wait until the DVD comes out to watch it again. And sometimes you need subtitles. Like, and it's okay. Uh, well, it's totally fine. My, my wife watches a lot of British television, but for whatever reason, she has to have subtitles because she finds it really difficult to sometimes understand yeah. the British idioms. And that's fine. That's absolutely fine. If that um, helps you understand it, absolutely I, I mean i watched um, the episode twice without subtitles when i watch it again with my wife i will watch it with subtitles so i will get every word but wow that moment and that revelation mm-hmm. um just comes so quickly and then he's in the basement and he's going to plug himself in because of course he is he's the doctor he's going to be the hero and professor why does he always want to sacrifice himself in the episodes we watch be, well, I mean, it, because he's the doctor. And, I know, but it's know, all, I feel like every time we watch an episode together, Daniel, he's going to try to. I mean, it seems take, like that's his uh, MO almost lot, every other true. episode, too. It's true. You know, he's going to throw himself man. in. You know, he he knows if anybody else can take it or if anybody can take it, it's him. It's true. And in this particular episode, he he goes through this whole thing about how I'm going to do this. And Professor River Song is like, no, you're not because you, you can't take it. And he's like, it doesn't matter. I have to try. And then she knocks his ass out. Yes, she does. Which I find hilarious <laughs> uh, because the doctor's only been knocked out a couple of times. 
But he goes down, like, she punches him and he goes down hard. Like, so he can save the world, but a simple punch takes him out. And you're like, okay, doctor. It's, it's prof- Professor River Song. She's not just any woman. It's like, we have to, we have to work on that uh, glass jaw of yours because she took you out. <laughs> and the, there are many mentions of spoilers in this episode. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like they're bringing things up that spoil the episode. Right. She says to him spoilers many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite is when he wakes up and he's got handcuffed. He's handcuffed <laughs> to the thing and he goes, how do you have handcuffs? And she goes, spoilers. Because <laughs> uh, holy crap, that opens it up for so many interpretations. And the way she says it opens it up to so many interpretations. And she's tying herself up to a machine to die. And she still has this sassy spoilers. Well, she's got she's got the she's got the doctors, you know, the doctors got that sort of uh, and it, it, it makes sense that if she has been with a doctor and has traveled with a doctor, she probably knows Jack Harness, which, you know, why does she have handcuffs? Spoilers. You're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> now I have this idea of a night in the TARDIS with Professor, the Doctor, and Captain Jack. And and handcuffs. So, holy moly. I mean, she had to get that gun somehow. Right? Right? <laughs> Because we we determined last episode that that gun that she uses a lot in this episode is definitely uh, tied to him in some way, shape, or form. Oh, River. So that just, you know, cracks me up. But there's that, to conclude this side of the conversation, so just just as heart-wrenching as it was to watch Donna have to watch her imaginary children disappear and then watch her you know perfect man disappear the doctor is having a conversation uh and it's clearly the end it's clearly the seemingly the last conversation they're going to have and she recognizes it and she has that moment where she delivers the speech that only makes sense when you think about the timey wimbly uh timey wimey wibbly wobbly there you go uh of how messed up the timeline is for the doctor because she's, you know, she's like, you knew the entire time we've known each other, you've known how I was going to die. And, and yet you, you, you did, you spent all these moments with me knowing and never telling me. And it's just heart wrenching. And you see the doctor and he, he doesn't know how to respond, but you see that he is emotionally compromised. And he has that moment, you know, where he, you know, like we mentioned, he asks her, how could you have possibly known my name? And he says it, you know, out. it's not a spoiler. It's not, you know, overtly mentioned. He says, how did you know my name? And, and quite possibly the most heart-wrenching of all of the times that it was said in the episode, she says,
And that's it. Three, two, one, countdown. Hush now, spoilers. That's the, the those are the last words that this person says to the doctor. And clearly they have a very fraught relationship that we have yet to see because we are, you know, in the beginnings. She mentions it several times. Gosh, you're thick as a young doctor. You know, and yet there she is in her last moments and she's consoling him. She's like, it's okay because you still haven't experienced it yet. Like hearing that again, like I'm tearing up. Like I just, oh. It will talk about like a wonderful way of sort of telling somebody you love goodbye with the knowledge <sighs> that your time with them is over, but their time with you hasn't even started yet. They, they don't even know you yet. Right. They, the, the doctor has yet to meet her and have the time with her it's it's such a crazy concept for a relationship it's just such mm-hmm. a crazy concept for a storyline and yet it works so wonderfully and of course you're on your side not knowing mm-hmm. what is going to happen and i'm on this side over here <laughs> knowing what's going to happen and watching this for probably the fifth or sixth time that I've seen this episode, you can hear it in my voice now. I'm totally teared up. And knowing how far this is is going to go and what some of these spoilers are, um, it is an amazing adventure. And um, this this scene there is never a time that I watch it that it doesn't get me like just hearing it clearly. Um, it's River, River song special. <laughs> She's special. It, it's just, you know, again, the show and the way it affects me. Um, I've like, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I, I think I know where it's going and then the show does something and I am reminded that I know nothing about this. <laughs> um, but you know, relationships, the way we experience them, we meaning humans, meaning non-fictional, uh, humans, uh, that don't have access to a TARDIS is a very linear experience. There's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end. It's inevitable. There's always going to be a beginning, there's always going to be a middle, and there's always going to be an end. And because we experience it that way, we have, uh, and we have throughout the show, we've seen the Doctor's first experience with Rose, and we saw their relationship blossom into this very special relationship. And then we saw the relationship change as the doctor uh, went through his regeneration. And then we saw their relationship deepen. And then we saw the the way it ended, that abrupt ending that you know left a lot of unanswered questions for both of them. So to all of a sudden be introduced to another similar style of relationship but be introduced to it at the end is such a brilliant 
storytelling mechanism to hook you in, to make you wonder, okay, what is going to happen? And why is this going to mean something? Because I am sitting on this side not knowing who Professor River Song is, but I could see from the first episode, I could see and hear it in her voice from the first time she interacts with him that there is a lot more to what I've seen that I haven't seen yet and that a lot more is going to happen. So her passing definitely had an impact on me and that was yet another reason why I felt like I had to go back and as soon as I finished this episode had to re-watch it again because I, I needed to process it. I needed to process their relationship because I didn't get the beginning and the middle. I got the end. And I felt like I got gypped a little bit. Yeah. And so I wanted to parse out as much as I could because there are so many moments in this episode where they are bickering like an old married couple, where <laughs> she is absolutely expressing some of the frustrations that any, you know, in any relationship, uh, even a perfect relationship, your partner is going to do or say something that will drive you bananas. And they have that moment here. But I'm only seeing it through the doctor's eyes, which is a very limited purview into what's happened. Uh, and it was just such a wonderful and heart-wrenching moment to, to go through that, like I said, I, need, I needed a second viewing. I needed to, to parse it through, to see it again, uh, just because it felt like it was important, and I don't know why yet. Everything that she says this episode, everything that you hear, take note of it. Um, she mentions the singing towers, take note of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's, it's all important. Mm. Everything's important. Um, River Song is one of my favorite characters. Mm. Um, if not my favorite character in Doctor Who. Um, we all have our favorite companions. You've not met my favorite companion yet. We all have our favorite doctors. You've already met mine. Um, we haven't met my second favorite yet who comes very close to my first. They're very similar. Mm. Um, but River Song has a very, very special place in my heart. Mm. And, um, as, as you can tell from two episodes, her character is unique and extremely likable. Um, she, there's nobody else like her that you've met yet in the Doctor Who universe. And part of her mystery is what makes her so intriguing and fun. And, uh, there's so much to learn about her yet. And this journey for you is just, I feel like Alexis from Schitt's Creek. I'm so excited for this journey for you. Um, (laughs) like it's just, it's going to be, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy for you. Like, I wish I could do it all over again because there's some points in it that you get to and you're like, holy crap, really? Um, and those are wonderful, wonderful times. <laughs> so I'm, I'm so, so sad today because of what it means for River Song, but also happy because now you get to start your journey with her. Well, I can't, I can't wait. 
Um, so I think here's a great time to uh, have Ashley uh, drop in a little more knowledge, uh, give us a little more in-depth on what this episode means uh, and some of the spoilers that we may have missed. So Ashley, take it away with your TARDIS tidbits. This is Ashley's TARDIS tidbits for Series 4, Episode 9, Forest of the Dead. According to Stephen Moffat, the squareness gun that Riversong uses at the end of last week's episode and the beginning of this one is intended to be the same sonic blaster that Captain Jack Harkness used in this Series 1 episode, The Doctor Dances. Stephen Moffat says that it was left in the TARDIS after the finale, The Parting of the Ways, in Series 1, and that it was taken by Riversong sometime in the Doctor's future. The wedding dress that Donna wears in her alternate timeline life is the same one that she wore in the Christmas special, The Runaway Bride. At one point, River mentions the Byzantium and the singing towers of Derylium. Don't forget this. They may come back. And Stephen Moffin didn't tell any of the actors, except Alex Kingston herself and just a few of the crew, who exactly River's song was. On the DVD commentary for this episode, David Tennant said he had no idea how to act opposite to her, which added great effect for the episode. He said that he had the doctor assume that she's just a future regeneration of himself. Even though that made no sense, he said it was way more sense than anything he could come up with, so that's what he was thinking in his head. And now you know the origin of spoilers. Spoilers, sweetie. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much, Ashley. That was uh, wonderful uh, and uh, very insightful. Uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on those two mentions. Uh, and the idea that she takes the gun that it's been sitting there in the TARDIS this whole time. That's She's awesome. like, I can use that. That looks, <laughs> that looks like something I, I might you I know, mean, find a need for. She yeah. seems like she definitely knows a lot more than uh, we've certainly seen so far. The doctor doesn't like guns, you mm -hmm. know, so. He does not. So um, she'll take it. So we, we, you alluded a little bit to it uh, earlier in the podcast, but. Donna comes back, she's with the doctor, and they have this amazing exchange where she asks him, uh, and he goes, I'm always all right. Mm. And she says, uh, is that some sort of Time Lord, you know, code for the opposite? Because if it is, then I'm all right, too. So sweet. Which, you know, it shows you, like, she's she's been through quite a bit. You know, I realize she's only been through just a handful of uh, adventures uh, similar to Martha. And, you know, Martha was deeply changed, clearly, by the end of her uh, experience. You know, she she needed to go back and she knew that what was best for her and her life was uh, to, to go back to her family and to go back to her life. I kind of get the feeling that this may be the moment that will ultimately trigger Donna to say at some point in the very near future, I think I'm good because she, she had that complete breakdown and she looked for him. She looked for her missing man and she couldn't find him. And of course 
they are, you know, walking away and he stammers. He sees her. He stammers yes. and can't say her name. No, he and couldn't. And so she walks away. But again, she has a conversation with the doctor about what happens. I understand what happened to you uh, because she knew who you were. Professor River Song knew who you were. But she didn't know who I was. And the doctor kind of teases her, holding on to that the the journal. And she's like, I can read it for you. Mm-hmm. I can do this for you. And Donna's response was spoilers. What? Right. So they don't. Nope. And then in the last ditch effort. Doctor runs back, does his like his hero thing, and mm. he grabs his old sonic screwdriver and he sees that 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 LED display that we've seen these other people exhibit, where <laughs> where you could see uh, the 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 display showing uh professor river song sort of fading her her thing her fading into nothingness her like the computer left right over her, her, her yeah. echo and yeah. he runs and he plugs her into the computer and in a way he saves her in that he deposits her in the computer and the little girl like populates her you know world with the ghosts from all of her other peers, the the, mm-hmm. the the echoes from all the other peers that disappeared, including the 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 lady in black, although this time, you know, not Picasso like. <laughs> correct. Yeah. And this time she's corrected. So essentially, um, the doctor did the same thing for River, what had been done to little girl as he has saved her consciousness in the library. Mm-hmm. So in theory, the doctor could go back and visit River except for the fact that he told the Vashanarada that they would leave them at peace in the library and not return there after getting everybody out within a day. Um, But he does know that her consciousness is safe now within the belly of the library. So River is, in a sense, still alive. Um, At least her consciousness is at the library. And she says the words that has, have been uttered many times before, but she calls him the remarkable man because she thought she was done for and somehow the remarkable man lets her live. Yep. So <sighs> what a wonderful episode. Uh, I mean, heart-wrenching, uh, just the best the best sci-fi version of an episode ever. Like just, I, I've liked a lot of episodes in the past uh, episodes that I did not expect to like as much. Um, certainly the, the family of blood was one of the episodes last series that just deeply connected with me. And I absolutely adored and, uh, I just I didn't see these two episodes coming and uh, oh my gosh I 
they're definitely so far they're like amongst the fav my favorite things I've ever seen for Doctor Who. And they're those episodes that you keep going back to because you you want to see this exchange between River and the Doctor like this. Mm-hmm. You and and once you want to refer to it again, you're like, I'm gonna go back and watch this again because I need I need to see this reference again. Um it's just such a great, great story. I mean, it, it is Moffat at his best. Um, this this part, this two-parter, the other two-parter with the Doctor Dances, which we also did, um, those are just some of my favorite episodes because it's this amazing emotional storyline um, that just hits you in the heart, but also t- like just takes you into different directions that you don't expect. Um, like Dr. Dances, you don't expect her to be his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you find out that she's Jamie's mother. And then in this one, w- wait, now the doctor's name is being brought into it. The doctor has a name. What, what is going on? And even, um, as, as you, you, you've mentioned, uh, the doctor dances a couple of times. Uh, there are a couple of references, uh, not directly of it, but the, the everybody lives moment. Mm-hmm. is kind of reference in the voiceover that we hear from uh, River Song at the mm-hmm. end of the episode. Uh, and that very much evoked that moment of it doesn't happen every time, but when it does, everybody lives, Rose. Everybody yeah. lives. And it leaves you in that very positive way of you know, the, this clearly this story has taken a toll on both the doctor and Donna. But in a way, everybody lived. And maybe maybe these episodes resonate with me because I started watching the doctor after my mom passed. And they were the ones that just really I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, of course, I see them in a different way. We're living <laughs> continuing to live in a global pandemic dear god give me some good information because i would love good news um but also just when it comes down to it it's just darn good storytelling and that storytelling that gives you the feels no matter where you are in life whether you have children loved ones not the storytelling is just epic and there is nothing like this type of writing well and it has consequence. A lot mm-hmm. of sci-fi ends uh, and tends to end in a very fantastical, everybody is happy at the end. And every episode, every adventure takes its toll on the companions and definitely on the doctor. And when you think about it, you know, 900 some years old, he's you know he's taken some licks he's got some wounds and what an amazing character that he keeps going and that he keeps trying to put on that phase that donna is currently seen through where he says i'm i'm always all right and that's a great thing with donna's character as well as we we tend to see her as just like that strong snappy witty sidekick but in this episode with her saying, you know, she's always all right. Think about your friends who always seem to be those strong friends who always seem to be, um, those folks that always have their things together that sometimes are the ones that are struggling the most. Mm -hmm. Um, but they put on that strong face 
And I feel in some ways Donna is very much one of those people. Um, She uses her comedy. She uses her wit to hide the fact that she has a struggling relationship with her mom. She's not been successful in her romantic relationships. Um, She has a great relationship with her granddad, which Mm -hmm. I just adore him to bits. But she's definitely been through some stuff. Um, And as we know, so many people hide pain with comedy. Um, so what a great way to point out that Donna isn't just this witty banter. She also has this deep emotional impact to everything that she does. And we can't deny that part of her personality. No, that's, I think that's, that's a perfect observation and a great way to sort of lead us into the end. So thank you so much, Jenny, for joining me for these two parters and, uh, and, and sharing this story with me. I'm, I'm so glad that I was here for them. Um, I'm so glad that spoilers finally has a, a, a nice conclusion and a continuation, uh, as we move forward here. And I cannot wait for you to have more adventures with professor Riversong. Uh, I I cannot wait to stumble across her once again. And thank you so much for joining us. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us. Uh, As always, uh, I am hugely appreciative of any time you have taken to sit down and listen to this little crazy podcast. Uh, So please uh, take the time to leave us a comment. Uh, You can find me at firsttimelord.com. There you can leave a comment on this uh, this week's episode or all of the previous week's episodes. Uh, I've been uh, getting more and more comments, and I greatly do appreciate them. I read every single one of them, and they mean the world to me. So please keep those coming. Uh, if you want to support the show financially, there is a cost involved with uh, doing this whole thing. Uh, there is a merch store that you can also find at firsttimelord.com. There we have shirts, we have uh, phone cases, like I hinted at a couple of weeks ago now. Uh, We have some new stuff coming for the holidays, so be prepared to check those out. And uh, you can also, if merchandise is not your thing, you can find me on Patreon or follow the link on firsttimelord.com that will take you to my Patreon site where you can become a supporter of the show by a couple of bucks a month uh, definitely helping the podcast grow and going a long way but the most important way that you can support my show is by sharing it I am sure there's somebody in your life who likes this kind of stuff and just they, they just don't know yet that they're going to love Doctor Who the way I did so share that with them uh, but I guess I am now out of time I gotta head back into my TARDIS and get ready for well, the last few episodes of the series. So see you next week, everybody.